back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Luke Skywalker to my Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm good with this comparison because with you being exact, like almost exactly one month older, clearly in the... Uh, in the mentor yeah, right i'm a jet i'm the older uh, wizened jedi uh, you're out there uh hope hoping that your dad didn't murder any kids that's right when uh, i think about you i think <laughs> about whiz all right and our very own quigon jin that's right it's eric ronnebeck eric did you, did you are you taken with that reference if i could be in any more boring jedi I would be just about any other Jedi in the Phantom Menace. Uh, they call they call him that because he drank a lot of gin. And joining us on the podcast, the random asshole-looking aliens sitting around in a circle, it's Eric Ronnebeck. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the slightly judgmental and constipated-looking alien himself, Eric Ronnebeck. Uh, not Samuel L. Jackson, because that's the cool one. Uh, I think we should really have a scene where we basically just discuss politics that don't matter for yeah. 30 minutes space politics that no one could possibly care about the oh. trade federation <laughs> kevin did it he went there all right let's get right into it guys seahawks head into cleveland they lay a diarrhea dump on our chests for the first i don't know 15 minutes of the game and then it was all millhouse after that baby it was all seahawks all from that millhouse forward. it felt so good uh, to get my, I actually in the group chat group chat members can confirm this I said I have to watch red zone for a little bit because I'm getting way too stressed out by this game I could literally feel my blood pressurizing. It was real and stressful then, And then we started coming back and I was like I can't change back from red red I can't change back from red zone now because I don't want the karma to change I was it's funny I was actually gonna blame you for the loss because last week you're like, you know what if we lose this game It's okay because I think it really doesn't matter in the big scheme of things. And so the half, first half of that game, I was like, God damn it, Nathan. Also, then the 49ers win, and suddenly it really matters if we yeah. kept pace. I, like, I, that's I a thought, depressing fact. I thought the Rams were going to take care of business at home, and they did not. So we really have to push ourselves. Because, you know, we own the 49ers. We haven't watched them in quite some time. Uh, and so, right? I mean, are we like, like eight straight or something against the 49ers? Or we're like 7-1 in the last eight or something like that? 1,000 and 0 in my heart. Yeah, we, we. I mean, ever since Richard Sherman <laughs> ate that turkey leg on their logo, it's been it's been all Seahawks from that point it's forward. It's been all basically. turkey all the they time. Did get, they did get one win against us last year. Hashtag turkey shoot. Yes, they did. Okay, so so yeah. So now he's eating the turkey leg and wondering why it tastes so different. Uh, but, but yeah, so ever since that point, it's been... All Seahawks since then, and so I'm not worried about uh, the head-to-head games as much. That's a tofurkey joke. <laughs> oh, jeez. No, it's a turducken joke. All right, uh, I'm okay with that then. So let's talk. Let's start on offense. Seahawks offense. Let me start with this. I'm waiting for the Jaron Brown breakout, uh, and he got two touchdowns in one game. So I'm considering that the first check in the Jaron Brown breakout category. Next week, I'm I'm looking for like 100 yards. That's that's the next step for me, and um, he's gonna get another. He's gonna get a chance to get 100 yards next week because I don't know if you heard. The Ravens traded for Marcus Peters, so we get to torch him again. I'm about to say, so we definitely can throw deep on them, because yes. if there's one thing that Marcus Peters is bad at covering, it's throws that are deep. Man, y'all are forgetting about Earl Thomas. He has not been great this season, because in his own words, the Ravens' defense is very complex. Yeah, I've uh, heard him say that. I want to... We'll go. We'll get this with the preview, but I don't think they're using him correctly. No, they're bringing on the, way too many... I feel like he's Bobby Wagner plus. You gotta, you gotta like... The thing about the Seahawks is they used him to, like, the maximum use of his talents, right? Errol Thomas is 
pretty naturally fast. He reads the play exceptionally well. So we're going to throw him up in single high safety, and we're going to like let him read the play and then react to it. It's the thing I said on the podcast that sounds dumb but is very true. The thing that Pete Carroll does really well is take extremely talented people and then let them play to the level of their talent. And other coaches don't do that. Um, all right, so let's talk about the receiver group first. We already kind of touched on it a little bit. With JB, me. with your favorite J- stats, he JB. caught three catches. One was a touchdown, or two were touchdowns. One was a first down. Now, another thing That's too, your favorite thing ever. Another thing is that, okay, I want to go through this. Tyler Lockett, five catches, four first downs. DK Metcalf, four catches, four first downs. David Moore, three catches, three first downs. Uh, it's just like every single one. 23 of our 17 of our 23 catches went for first downs this is an incredibly efficient offense operating at an extremely high level uh and it, that's something that maybe uh seahawks fans are used to the defense carrying us yeah and uh eric how do you feel like going in week seven it's this team is now defined by the offense and not the defense this is kind of what we thought was going to happen we weren't sure about the pass rush we had all these great ideas before jaron Reed got suspended coming back this week by the way but we knew that Sherman's gone, Earl's gone, Bobby's back, but it's still a linebacking crew that, although they rock, it's not the same thing as the generational talents we had on the defense with the pass rush and the coverage. Uh, it was a brand new ball game. We talked last year. We didn't exactly poke this bear, but we kind of said, you know, what's the point in paying Russell Wilson if you're not going to use him? And the only way to really answer that question is to really use Russell Wilson up to the t- way we, you know, like you said, we used Earl Thomas, like to the max of his ability. I'm not sure we're there yet with Russ, but it makes sense to me that Russ has defined this team. Our team, this team is uh, basically revolves around the offense. The identity of this team is is the Seahawks offense, and that is not obviously all Russell Wilson, but it's all Russell Wilson. How much do you think that the run pass splits had to do with the fact that we were started out so far behind, down 20 to 6. So another thing, okay, I talked about this. I went on a Browns podcast last week. I think some people maybe heard it. And I, one thing I said is that the Seahawks took wrong messaging from the whole, like, teams that win more run more. Um, and And I think that's still true. But they are starting to understand why teams that win more run more. It's because once you're ahead... You pound the rock. You run out the clock. You control the ball. And right? what did I call on this game? And this I was game, like, oh, it's going to be one of those ugly eight-minute drives that just siphons the rest of the game away. And that's what they did. They, they didn't start running a crazy amount until the end of the game, which is what you are supposed to do. Thank you, Chuck Knox. <laughs> this is this is a very like wise decision from the Seahawks. Little ground check. Um, so, so yeah, they, they threw the ball at the beginning of the game. They chucked it around. I mean, DK Metcalf, that stiff arm in the first <laughs> half, he punked that dude. 23, I don't remember who, 23 for the Browns, though. He just punked that kid, just threw him on the ground. And I, you know what? There's not very many wide receivers in the league that are going to punk someone like that, a defensive back like that. Just shove him straight to the ground. And I cannot wait until the 49ers game because I am 100% sure – if if Richard Sherman tries to get handsy with DK, it is going to be uh, well. He's going to learn uh, what <laughs> about the guy that we drafted because that is a that is not going to be something that DK just stands there and takes. No, Dick Sherm's going to get in a lot of trouble and end up with a lot of penalties because frustrated Dick Sherm is not the best Dick Sherm on your team. But I I don't want the I don't want to give the impression that the 49ers are living rent free in my head. I'm just looking forward to that uh, that inevitable matchup and that will be the last time they're mentioned on this podcast. All right, Eric. Any other wide receiver uh, or receivers stand out to you? Or how about this? Are you really sad about the Will Disley injury? Like, how much did that break your heart? <laughs> Man, this is a <clears throat> really good leading because that's exactly where I'm going. 
it absolutely breaks my heart that we lost our all pro Hall of Fame safety, Will Disley. Because if you look at the way Will Disley played in the few games he got last year and in the few games he got this year. Guild that man. Extrapolate that. Extrapolate it. And you will see an all pro tight end. Um, a guy that really. Uh, I'm sorry, screw it. I'm going to say it. If he plays like that his entire career for 14 games a year, that is a Ring of Honor member. He was on pace for like 70 catches, 900 yards, and 12 touchdowns. That's that's a like tight end, an all time, an all time great Seahawks tight end. Yeah, outside of like you Travis Kelsey, remember, he also ramped into that. Yeah, and that's a that's just a guy that we have wanted on this team for a long time. Someone who can run, who can block, who can actually catch the ball. Luke Wilson consistently. Uh, so who knows I like their how role you called him out for not catching consistently, not for the blocking. That's why he's, yeah, well, well I, that's why we only got Eric. so much on Luke Wilson. That's the only thing he blocks. Hey, Luke Wilson, sucks. no drops yet, and he's five catches on five targets, baby. So you know what? Maybe he's tur- maybe he went to Detroit and learned something. Okay, I just say we're only throwing didn't it like to him being twice in a game, like we always said we should. Okay, so here's my it's question. that third throw that gets you. Here's my question for you guys: uh, Do you think that internal options at tight end are enough to get us through here, or would you like to see us? Kind of press the market, test the market, see if we can get one of these. Uh, I mean, there are teams that are out of the race at this point with two weeks to go to the trade deadline. The Seahawks have the draft assets to go make a move. So do you guys, do you, would you guys rather see on-roster talent or us go look around? And I can give you some options of team guys that I think might be available. So before you give the option, I'm going to say my first impression is I want to do the on-roster options. We've got uh, Dixon. Wait for Dixon. As a chance to come back in week nine. Um, and ought to be able to come back because it was supposed to be like a five, six-week injury. And so it was mostly for roster reasons that we uh, ended up putting him on the pup list. And until then, we have the receiver talent to run three and four wide receiver sets because they're healthy now. Okay. Uh, Eric, uh, are you interested in a in a in a like tight end trade? Or are you just man? Uh, I gotta hear the I gotta hear what you think we give okay. up. Who's available? Couple, and don't tell me Vernon Davis. Couple guys that I think I that, care that might Vernon be available. Davis. All right, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, two and four. They are not using OJ Howard at all. Uh, I think OJ Howard could be had for like a second, third, fourth round pick. Do you? Uh, would you? Would you be into OJ Howard in a Seattle Seahawks uniform? Yes. On yeah, a rookie contract. What a what do you think about giving up, Kevin? Uh, if it's the fourth round pick, yeah, I'm doing that. Yeah. What about fourth second? Round? What about second? No. No. What about third? No. Uh, third is a slam dunk yeah, yes for me. I'm just going probably no. a yes for me. He's a really talented player. They're just not using well. Okay. Delaney Walker. Tennessee Titans are two and four. Uh, I think the writing's on the wall with how bad their quarterback situation is. Delaney Walker is one of the NFL's uh, Ironmen, although he got hurt last season. But he's been you know pretty consistently 16 games every season. But last season, also like a soft spot favorite of mine i think he's easier to get than oj howard it would have to be a super late round fill, uh, round pick because he's like 700 years old he's 35 i think i think you could get him for a fifth maybe a fourth but that'd be a, i'd I, want to I give up I, like a fifth at the highest i think what you're saying kevin he is probably easy to get he is 35 yes and i, I but don't you think he's good still like, yeah he's good and i would love to have him the rest of the season i just wouldn't want to pay that much for him all right mr glass himself 0-6 Cincinnati Bengals, Tyler Eifert. No. Mm, not for anything they want to take. Absolutely, as long as the, it's a 6th or 7th. I, I would not want <laughs> to give, not, a, I'll give up a 7th. They would not give a 6th. They would no. not give up a 6th for him. No way. No, no, I don't want to give up any, like, They will want a 4th reasonable asset. There's a really, the really legitimate chance that he would end up uh, injured the game that he started for us. So... <laughs> 
are those are the only tight ends I could see guys, that were uh, out of the race and tradable. I mean, you could maybe go Hunter Henry for the Chargers, but I don't think the Chargers think. No, of the Chargers. As that's dead. like that's one of their young chips who's probably also falling apart. Remember how Kaz Sasaki got injured? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, how Tyler Eifert would come delivered to us. He would fall <laughs> over some luggage. Sorry that we're saving that for me and Brett's uh, Mariner podcast. Dear God, when is the season over? From the drunk tank. All right. Uh, other offensive uh, news and notes. All right. We had, we went over the receivers. Let's go. Let's go to Russ then. Russell Wilson. Um, is there anything this man cannot do? Does people art- say there's there's articles now that people are actually publishing? Russell Wilson is so good. Wow. Thanks, tips. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Glad you figured that one out. Okay, Russell Wilson. We all know only it. two of five from twenty plus. Eleven. Disappointing. Eleven for sixteen Ooh, under very pressure bad news. for one hundred and seventy four yards. When they were getting to him, he got better. So that, yeah, dude, eleven basically eleven yards per attempt under pressure. His NFL dumb. rating when pressured was one twenty five point five, but when not pressured was one ten. So uh, yeah, his adjusted completion percentage when pressured ninety two point three percent. Could handle the heat and uh, handle the kitchens. This is. This is ra- ridiculous. Um, just a ridiculous showing for Russell Wilson, and I'm not surprised. The guy's really good at football. Um, the, the only like the only mistake he made in the whole game was there was one where he did a design keep run and then slid like six yards behind the line of scrimmage, which was yep. the funniest play to me. Just like I was like laughing so hard. I was like, "How are you? How are you gonna slide right here? You can't even throw it out. Like, <laughs> you, can't, nope. you can't even throw it away to get the zero yards. You gotta slide six yards." He was yards. in mental run mode. He was like, "This is a designed run. I gotta run." <laughs> uh, I also love the story uh, when his helmet mic stopped working. Yeah. He uh, called one of the touchdown drives, and if you look, that drive was like all throws too. It was mostly throws, and the thing that I liked though was it shows. Because if you look at the plays that he picked, they're plays that we see quite a bit of in the season. So it tells you something about his level of comfort with the offense, too. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the biggest credit that I have to give Schottenheimer is that I think Russell Wilson feels very confident in this offense. And that's why we're able to see him be both very productive and very efficient. All right. Uh Eric, any Russell Wilson uh, comments before we move on to the run game? He did not have his perfect passer rating this game. Uh, trade him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what hashtag blame uh, Sierra? I, it's funny. I will say this. Uh, he had a couple. He had one keep that I was like, no, that was an obvious non-keep situation. Remember, like three, four years ago, we were talking about. I just feel like he should keep on the ones he's he's handing off, and vice versa. I felt that way in this game. That's that is my. Uh, splendid analysis for Russell Wilson. Hey, I'm with you. In our transition to the run game, uh, nine carries, four actual runs, and five scrambles for 31 yards. Um, but the but the yardage on the designed runs was negative nine yards. Yep. <laughs> Those scrambles are really good. He scrambled in the TD. He scrambled for a first down or for uh, two first downs. That TD run was great because like there was like six guys who could attack them. They just disrespected They're all, they're all facing the wrong way because they're like so just good. disrespecting the fact that he could scramble. Yeah. Yep. So I like the fact that Russ continues to reestablish the legs is something the teams have to think about. Okay. Uh, in this game, Chris Carson, he forced seven missed tackles in this game, which is. On, in the run game, just in the run game. Okay, seven missed tackles, which is an absurd number for one game. Brings his total to 30 on the season. Last week we said he was third in the league in the in avoided tackles, running plus passing. Now he is first. He's ahead of Kamara. Kamara now has 38, and uh, and Carson now has 20 uh, or, or 40. So just a, a kind of absurd game 
for for Chris Carson. He also had one broken tackle in the past game in this game. I just looked it up while I was talking. So, um, yeah, 126 of his 124 yards came after contact, which um, the more you think about it, the crazier it gets. Avoiding so many tackles or just, you know, breaking faces. Yeah, so I'm very proud of Chris Carson. He is a literal tank. Um, I like My favorite thing to do on Twitter when I talk about Chris Carson is just to post gifts of tanks and be like, <laughs> check out this Chris Carson gif I found. It's just like a, a tank running over something or a monster truck running over something. Or... A scene from the movie Fury. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I personally like the where, when you can post the one where it's the guy who stole the tank and is just running over regular cars. Or the train when it runs through a bunch well, of things. Yeah, there's a good one. Yeah, uh, hey, I have some uh, Chris Carson talking points. Get it. So... Uh, at me, won't you? Is it the? Uh, this is this is big. So we talked earlier in the podcast about how the the Pete Carroll Seahawks are realizing they can't just rely solely on the run, and we talked about how great Chris Carson is, and I agree he is an excellent running back. I'm super glad he's on our team. There's not many more people that I'd rather him that would that I'd trade for him, uh, that I'd switch spots with. In the playoffs last year, we relied on the run. We got punked on third and short on fourth and one. We are getting stuffed more than I think we should with this uh, howitzer type running back, Nathan. Uh, and Kevin, please at me as well. Are you, uh, how do you feel about Chris Carson in these situations? Okay, with this excellent, hold on, with this excellent. Uh, rushing, uh, run-blocking offensive line that we have. Where is our deficit here? And why are we not picking up these yards on a consistent basis? This team is not very good at running when Russ lines up under center and turns around and hands the ball to Chris Carson. That's not that's not a very good uh, running play for the Seahawks. And I think that's part of the problem. The other thing I'm noticing is that the... Um, so I don't like that. That's not my favorite way for us to use the the running game. And then so like we're better when we shotgun, line it up, Carson standing next to Russ, he turns and hands in the ball or or decides that kind of thing. Spread them out a little bit. The other thing that doesn't make a lot of sense in in the same way where it's before we start talking about Carson runs is we've been using like CJ Procise in these situations <laughs> bafflingly a few times and that's that's very that, bothersome to that me. That was inexcusable uh, this game. CJ Procise, you know, uh, not a great game from him, but he had like one of the sweetest like running back blocks in this game. He did the thing where he like you go low and you suplex the guy over you, and I was like so horny for that. I was yeah, like, <laughs> and then he completely whiffed on a run block hey, you and know what? Doesn't let Russ get murdered on the touchdown pass to JB. Doesn't worth it. It was all worth it for that one really cool block. I wish uh, he gave the three amigos. Yeah. So uh, the reason why I brought this up, and I know we all love Chris Carson, I just really wanted to hear you guys' thoughts because. I know Chris Carson's awesome, and I know what he does on the field. I know those stats, uh, yards after carry, yards after getting hit. But it's just it's a question mark for me. I like what you said about the handoff. Uh, I, I would just like to see a little, I guess, in, that's the one area of improvement I want to see. If Russ is going to line up under center like that on, four, on third and fourth and short, he needs to do some sneaking so that that way it keeps the defense honest. Yep. Because right now the defense knows that we're never sneaking, because we never do. We hardly ever do quarterback sneaks, and it does not – they don't respect that play, so they don't do the thing that teams do in the sneaks where they, like, have a bunch of guys dive into the gaps and try to, like, clog it up and stuff, which would create more running room for Chris if we did decide to turn around and run it. Instead, everyone's able to just stay disciplined, close off all the gaps, and then, like, fill, just fill. You just play, like, a normal run defense and try to get a run stop as opposed to, like, 
on a, you know, and you can, and you also can put like 10 guys in the box cause you know, it's coming. So we need to do stuff that keeps the other team honest, either, but either by doing a play action every once in a while or running a sneak, like any way we can keep the other team honest. Matt Stafford uh, flea well, flicker. Uh, I also think that that's just not what Justin Britt does best. And if your center has a little bit of trouble doing that, like pushing the pile like that, then that can create kind of a weak point in the middle of those up-the-gut runs. Yeah. All right, well, hey, do you want to hear a stat? Yeah. All right. So far this season, okay, um, Russell Wilson has the best NFL rating, 117.9, when not doing play action. Okay, uh, 171 dropbacks. He's got 1,222 yards and 10 touchdowns. Uh, he's Patrick Mahomes is second with 113.9, so he's four ahead, right? When doing play action, okay, when doing play action, Russell Wilson is also first, 482 yards, a staggering 77.5 completion percentage, four touchdowns, and an NFL rating of 150.2. Isn't that perfect? Jameis Winston, no, it's 158.2, I think. Oh, well, uh, he's way off. Jameis, Jameis Winston is second with 139. And um, what I want to know is, is before the season, Kirk Cousins had a quote in the preseason that I loved. He said, there's no upper limit to how much you can run play action. I want and I really, to be our OC. I really want the Seahawks. <laughs> I really want the Seahawks to start testing this theory. Uh, right now, Russell Wilson only uh, has done play action fifty three times, which is good for sixteenth in the league. Okay, I need to see more, man. I want to be top five in play I wanna, action. I want to get Especially up there. as much as we run. I want to get up there to like Tom Brady's at sixty eight, Lamar Jackson's at sixty eight, uh, Mahomes is at eighty eight. Like, let's get in there. Let's do some. Let's do some play action, buddy. Let's get in there. So I'm Pete Carroll aware of these stats. Um, like, do we do we no. usually correct this throughout the no, year? No, he's not. Okay, let's let's do the let's do the dirty work. Time to talk about the offensive line. Uh, the injuries got to us. Jones was good. I thought Jones was good. I thought Afedi was just his average self, not the bad version we've seen the last couple weeks, yeah. but just bang average. Britt was fine. I guess. Um, Upati is a backup all the way. Although I will say he has some good run blocks, but uh, he's a backup. Like there's no doubt about it. And I that, feel like he that got left some side of the stank line. on uh, Fant's left but arm. Fant was really bad. Like, and I, I don't want to like bury a guy in his like first NFL start in a long time, especially when he didn't get to play against probably the preferred starter in Posich. But that was a rough go for him, and I, I really hope that Fluke is healthy next if he's going to start next week because that will help him so much. Uh, getting Fluke next to him instead of. Do you think your body goes to the bench? Yes, I, I, I don't. So. I think after two weeks of Jamarco just like going out there and getting his business done, especially in the pass game. The thing about Jamarco is, is that he might be like the only real good, other than Dwayne. Dwayne's good at everything, right? Dwayne Brown's awesome. Yeah. But other than Dwayne, Except healing his tricep. <laughs> God, sorry. Got him. Got hey man, him. I gotta. Got him. Sports radio. I gotta guy. make oh. jokes so I don't cry. Um. So, uh, sports radio guy chiming in there, but the um, George. George needs to play next to like a real NFL card. I'm, I'm not sure Eupati is the guy. And the thing that sucks is that Eupati had like one of the best guard ratings in the entire league this year for Pro Football Focus, and I think it was like kind of a sham. He got carried by the fact that he did some really great run blocking, and then they did not totally dumpster him on his pass rating because they like gave all the credit to to Fant when it was a them problem, not yes. a him problem. They were both having issues, and so. Communication issues on the left side, um, and you would expect your veteran left guard to be the one helping with that. I would say that taking Eupati 63 and Fance 15 and adding that together and dividing it by two would give you a more realistic rating of how those guys pass block in the game. I think that's they, closer to my feelings as well. They, they both were like in the 30s, which is still 
real freaking bad. Uh, that's that's a Fetty having a bad game bad. Okay, another thing. Joey Hunt comes in. Play, uh, he run, He runs one route. This is uh, and this plays, is the most insulting a, thing. And he, he ran was, a route. He, he was not good. Okay, George Fant, he is not. And I don't ever want to see... I hope we are never thin enough that Joey Hunt has to play that hanging extra <laughs> offensive lineman again because, oh, man, he's he looks... First of all, he's tiny. He got beat horribly on that goal line run for Carson oh when gosh. we were backed up on our own one. Dude, he he just is he is not the guy for that job. He now, as far as like a backup interior lineman, um, he's maybe. I, he, I don't like him at guard because he's so small, but at, at center he's great. He's a great backup center. But the the at, as that job, the extra tackle, no, we need. I can see why they were gun shy about getting George in there because if they're gonna play an extra offensive lineman. Uh, they really kind of need George to be that guy. Yes. Or maybe Eupati. I don't know. They need to do something. Um, okay. That's uh, that's offense. You guys have any other offensive news and notes before we uh, head over to the D? No, I think we hit it. All right. I want this D. Defense. Okay. Can I start with Clowney? Because this guy. What I love about Clowney, okay, is that you have to watch the film to know how good he is. You can't, you can't just look at the stats. The stats are good. Uh, he had three pressures. He had two run stops. He, but he played 47 snaps. And the, the thing that makes him special is the way he just disrupts every single snap. He The offense warps around what he does. And he has just like a human wrecking ball. And it's it's weird because he'll never have a 16-sack season. It's just never going to happen. And it's going to be really hard to, to justify giving a huge contract because the lay fan, the normal fan that just watches the game and sees that he gets no sacks is going to be like, why would you why would you sign Clowney to a top five defensive end deal? And it's like, you got to like watch the way he bats down passes or just like gets in the passing lanes or just messes with things. He reminds me of Bobby Wagner. He just does... A bit of everything in every spot, and he does all of it somewhere between above average and excellent. And he messes up every play, dude. It's like, and it, it, he's so big. He's six foot five, and he's just huge. There's no way he still weighs two hundred fifty five pounds. Okay, that's the like, <laughs> the, that's the the book. Yeah, you know, we were worried like about him being too slender. Nine and a half mile arms. And his arms are so big. Like, I don't understand how his arms are like. So remember how uh, like Sam Adams, Cortez Kennedy would always command a double team. Yep. And Frank Clark is saying that he's getting double team, but he's not over in Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You know the problem that Kansas City's having with him? I watched, I've watched a couple Kansas City games now. Is, is they're, they're playing him at stand-up nine tech. And like, what are you doing? You, did you watch any of his tape last year? That is not yeah. what Frank Clark he's, does. He's like, I read, a, I read an article on him. Um, it's like point. 0.24 seconds it's slower. Compli- it's a complicated defense. He's having trouble running. <laughs> yeah, he's having Baltimore, trouble running. The Baltimore the Ravens run a I'll complicated say this, though, defense. The, the guys that command, a complicated defense. <laughs> the command a double team all the time, Jadavian Clowney occupies two people, meaning so someone will stand up and block against him, and then he'll almost go into another guy mm-hmm. to basically uh-huh. bring him in. Like, he's hey, a one-man I'm only, stunt. Yeah, I'm only, yeah, exactly. I'm only getting covered by one guy. I'm gonna make this other guy cover me, and it's almost like you're, you know, you're doing like a screen to the offensive lineman. It's pretty smart. Ziggy Ansa motoring for days had mm-hmm. that uh, had that strip and recovery, and that was that was an effort play. And the, yeah, if you take out like the 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 missed tackles, like Ansa was really good in this game, and I think those will, those will, those will clean themselves up over time. It's just like a it's like one of those things where, you know, yeah, he missed a couple in this game, but he's still like just coming back off the injury and they still obviously have him on a pitch count he only played 27 snaps in this game when jaron comes back next week i think that this off this defensive line is kind of going to make the leap and it, maybe what we missed 
last year was that we thought Jaron might be really good because he was playing next to Frank, and we might have had that exactly wrong. Frank might have been really good because he's playing next to Jaron Reed. Jaron Reed, because we've seen Frank Clark this year, and I yes, they are playing him very wrong. Like by having him play stand up nine tech at all, you are completely misusing the asset. You don't understand what makes this guy good. You. I, you're trying to jam a square peg into a round hole, which is exactly what you don't want to do in the NFL. You want to put your personnel in position to succeed. It's like Kevin said. Kevin, Pete Carroll knows how to use players. Pete Carroll knows how to get more out of his guys. So the the fact that they're trying to, to – they're basically saying we want to get less out of this guy because we're going to hope that he fits our system better. Right. Ridiculous. So Jaron Reed – is going to come in and he's going to, he knows, we know exactly what we're getting. We know he's going to be successful in the system. And I'm very excited when that line is Jadavian Clowney, Quentin Jefferson, or Puna Ford, don't care. Uh, Jaron Reed and Ezekiel Ansa, that is eight. Those are some bad dudes. Well, then you rotate Jefferson in for Ansa when Ansa needs a spell and you're what bringing on Outwoods and Outwoods and Q are the rotation guys. This is like, a dream, dude. This is like this is a really stacked six, line. Six deep now, and we finally have enough defensive tackles. And that... don't forget, Rasheem Green can play football functionally. Oh yeah, Rasheem Green is—he's had some really good plays this year, and he's really good speed rusher. Um, I've been really impressed with the fact that he a three ten speed rush just going straight up. I thought field? that yeah. he—I thought that he couldn't get upfield like that, and he's really been like getting upfield and bending the hips and getting around the corner. And those are those are things that skills that I didn't expect to see from him maybe ever in his career. I kind of saw him as more of like a. Like a strength, uh, like inside outside, kind of like Quentin Jefferson, if I'm being honest, as that was kind of his his career path, and maybe he, I think he's capable of something more than that at this point. Um, I'm excited about this defensive line. Can you guys, uh, you guys, got anything else to add about the D line, Eric? Nope. I know you love Puna Ford. Go ahead, <laughs> Puna Ford. Actually, um, we all knew on this podcast how good he could be. The fact that he is in the rotation. Uh, Remember it last year when he made his his begin at the beginning of the season this time last year. Hey, are we gonna see more Puna? It's good to see Puna splitting time and getting the run stops. Yeah, fifty seven snaps out of sixty seven. Yeah, he played yeah, sixty eight. He yeah. played wait. He was honestly played kind, of kind of too much at the in this. There game. was another who who on the other side played. Uh, Quentin Jefferson played fifty nine snaps. Oh, I thought it was well, someone else. And the thing is, is that. Jaron's gonna come in Alwoods and take forty-three. Yeah. He's gonna come in. He's gonna come in and take thirty snaps, and he's gonna take ten from each of those guys. And then the week after that, he'll be more prepared, and he's gonna take ten more snaps. Maybe he'll be up to forty, and then he'll be up to fifty, and then all those guys will be playing like forty snaps each, and it's like the perfect amount. Jaron Reed, did you guys hear today? He showed up an hour early at the VMAC because he told and he told when Pete got there, he was like, "What are you doing here so early?" And he said, "I couldn't." An hour before the the building opened. Okay, yeah. so no one's there. Jaron Reed's sitting in his car That's in the parking lot. Story. Pete Carroll gets in and he says, what are you doing here? And he said, I couldn't sleep. I was too excited. That, yeah. I love it. Sign oh, me man. up. I love Jaron Reed. I was going to say, but with, talking about Puna Ford, like this is the rotation that we were hoping to see. We didn't know if we'd ever see exactly. We didn't really know how Ziggy would be. This is before we had Clowney. This is turning into like an actual pass rush, run defense line. I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to... was not what it needed to be this game. No. Like, let's get that straight. 11 pressures against a bad, uh, against a bad offensive a mediocre, line. Mediocre offensive line. I'm not I'm not willing to call them straight up bad, but they are medium. Against a not good offensive they're, line. They're very... Vin- yeah, they're not special. But th- I'm saying three games from now, I'm expecting an awesome defensive line Yeah, the talent's there. Us. That's exactly yeah. the thing. Like, and I'm going to give it three games. And three another games. thing, too, is, is that individual performances in a vacuum they all look pretty decent the thing is 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 i think that we haven't seen the best of this group yet and a lot of it doesn't show up on the stat sheet because when people look at the stat sheet they what do they go and look at to see if the defensive line is playing good they go and they look at sacks and tackles for loss 
Okay, and we're good at one of those two things. But I'm going to tell you, 18 run stops in this game that's a lot. is a lot. That's, that is shutting down a lot of their runs. That's 18 times that the Browns tried to run. How many times did the Browns run in this game, Eric? Do you, do you know? 34. Do you, 34, you think? No, no, no. 34. I know uh, Chubb had 24 runs, I believe. Yep, and that was their only running back who had any runs. Right. So, Baker so they had ran a few, tw- and that's it. So they ran 24 times, and of those 24 times, 18 times, Pro Football Focus says, a player on our team stopped it from being a successful play. Now, the the six times they ran good were very apparent because Gash. they were we got gashed on like six plays. But the but that's okay. I mean, those those kind of mistakes those need to get cleaned up by the linebackers. And those are the people that I'm kind of most disappointed in this Ooh, game. I would like to counteract that. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I thought our safeties were constantly out of position in the run game. Um, I'm not going there with Tedrick. I thought Tedrick had a really good game, and I tried I, to watch. I him. thought that Brad looked but, bad in the run game. But Brad and those 15 Delano Hill snaps where he came and played overhang safety. <laughs> it was way too close to the line of yeah, scrimmage. Yeah, I did not like that. And Marquise, actually, Blair, did a lot better in that role. They played him. They threw him out there for eight snaps because I think they were like, Delano Hill, what are you doing? <laughs> Let's yeah. throw Blair out there. Maybe some, we can get something going. Yeah, Delano I, was just misaligned. He was too close to the line of scrimmage, and he was constantly having to run upfield to try and catch Nick Chubb from behind. And I don't know if you know this or not, Belano Hill can't catch Nick Chubb no, Nick, from behind. Nick Chubb's fast. Trey Flowers chased him down that one play, saved the touchdown, and then it ended up... We ended up getting a touchdown on the drive anyway, but okay, let's talk about the linebackers really quick because I got to do this. Yep. Bobby Wagner targeted six times, gave up six catches. KJ Wright targeted f- six times, gave up four catches. Kendricks targeted five times, gave up three catches. 58 and snaps for Kendricks. Wow, every, Kendricks' best game. Every single one of those guys gave up at least one catch to Odell Beckham Jr. That is a complete failure of our system. There is not a world, a planet on earth that should include a stand up 4 3 linebacker covering a player like Odell Beckham Jr., and we are lucky that he did not go off to a degree that is uncomfortable. That is bad coaching by Freddie Kitchens, and we're lucky because that kind of stuff should never be happening, and it happened to all three of our linebackers. Um, on the touchdown play that Kendricks gave up, where the all three linebackers passed the Ricky Seals-Jones, Seals Jones, where all three linebackers passed him off, Yep. it's like, dude, one of you needs to step, step in and cover this guy. Like you, you just ran free right past all of them. It's like... I don't know what they were doing. I'm not, I'm not completely understanding what the defensive scheme there is. But then the, the announcer's like, well, he slipped in behind the defense. It's like, okay, Kendricks is the last guy. Kendricks was the third guy. and if He should know he doesn't he, have help behind him. Yes, he should know that that's it. He's the last guy. They're, they're, that's it. There's nobody else. So it's really frustrating um, the, the way that we're using our linebackers. And it some team that's really smart is going to kill us on this. I don't think it's this week, um, to be honest with you. I don't. I don't trust Baltimore to be that team, but some team is going to absolutely destroy us with this, and it's going to really—it's going to be a team that um, relies. There's going to be a really bad rant on this podcast. Yeah, but it's going to be a team that relies on middle of the field catches. It's going to be someone like New England. It's going to be someone like San Francisco. Oh man, I said I wouldn't do it. All right, Um, (laughs) but it's going to be a smart offensive mind like Shanahan. You have to—you have to look at why we're doing this. What is what is the reason why Pete Carroll's doing this? Because Jamar Taylor's also bad. Jamar Taylor's bad. He doesn't trust the safeties. Um, I think if he trusted Marquise... Exactly. He he can only trust so one half of his field at any time. You asked about tight end. I think we need to pick up a slot corner. I think that's the that's the move that genuinely needs to be made. So, you know, you look at a team like Denver. Chris Harris Jr. But I think... Here's the thing is, John Elway's really stupid. And I'm saying that I'm dead serious. John Elway is bad GM. And yeah. he probably thinks that his team can make the playoffs right now. They won last week. They're riding high. 
He probably thinks Flacco can take him to the playoffs, and he's not going to trade Chris Harris Jr. because of that, because he's stupid. Okay. You can't. And Kevin, <laughs> this Kevin, is all fair Kevin point. has to give up because, like, you, I mean, there's just, I don't know, they're just dumb. Maybe if they so get, what if we raid Washington? I hope Denver gets killed this week. Washington, I don't feel like they have a really great slot corner. Like, they have a good outside corner. I, I mean, maybe you. a lot of people don't like uh, Josh, Josh Norman. Josh Norman, but I actually. Josh Norman's a good corner. I actually think he's really good still. And I, I not like a all pro, but he's, you know, a pro bowler, which is, you know, the level below that. Uh, I, I'm i fine with the. But I don't know. I don't know. I, the, the, the slot corner thing's hard because a lot of those guys fly under my radar, so I'm not 100% sure which ones are the ones that would be the best scheme fit for us. Because that's another problem, you know. We need a guy that can play in our scheme, which our scheme is going to require them to be good in run defense and tackle, which yep. is something Justin Coleman was excellent at. Which is why he was such a perfect fit for yep. us. Um, is because Justin Coleman was a really good run stuffer in in addition to being a really good coverage guy. Um, what about uh, Bryce Callahan? Bryce Callahan would be cool. I'm, I'm okay. That would with be that. the guy that we could maybe get from Chicago. Yeah, Chicago needs to lose one more game. Or sorry, uh, uh, <laughs> Denver. Denver would be fine. Denver has a couple options. Denver, Bryce Callahan's Denver because they picked him up in the offseason. Denver is really stupid. And I don't know stupid. if they necessarily value him as well. Denver's stupid. Let's uh, just I think you're right. They probably need to lose one more clear. game. Nickel Roby Coleman would be a good pickup, but they're not going to trade him in division. No. Um, and also, I'd, St. Louis is obviously not giving up. They traded for Jalen Ramsey today. They're, they're not. They're sure, not, but they're, they're clearly they're making quit. really bad trades. By the way, they, if you look at the <laughs> trades they made, they were really bad. What did they give up uh, for Jalen Ramsey exactly? The best would be to They gave we, up two first-round picks. I mean, the best oh, guy. Are you serious? Uh, I didn't know Kareem, we were that lucky. See, that's the other thing is Bryce Callahan and Kareem Jackson are both on Denver. The best guy would be Denzel Ward. Uh, you know, the... Um, the one who's injured? The the one that we just... For the team we just played who's a little bit dinged up. Yeah. But but he would be... A, He'd be a great pickup. A great He'd pickup, a but fit. I don't think they would want to do it. What about... um? What about the dude for uh, uh, Minnesota? Uh, Mackenzie Alexander. Alexander. I think... Um, they're foreign, too. They're not trading Mackenzie Alexander. Um, that's he's, true. Yeah, they, they're they're like back in the the race. They're back in the saddle again. Um, we're not getting Stephon Gilmore. I'm trying to think. Oh, what about Desmond King for the Chargers? Is he hurt right now? Because uh, he's always hurt. He's on the Chargers, so probably. Uh, but he's always hurt. But he's really good. If not, yeah, I would tend to agree. Um, their season's over. Their season's over. If Indianapolis loses a couple more, Kenny Moore maybe um, could be good. Indianapolis is slot corner. And that's a very similar scheme. Uh, so yeah, I think it's Den- one of the Denver guys. I don't know why Denver has like four slot corners. They have they have three, I think. Guys who are they really have three. Good. It's it's Chris Harris, Kareem Jackson, and uh, um, they Bryce really, Callahan. They really value the star corner position. Also, did I mention That's before? Why they start John only El- star corners. John Elway is dumb. <laughs> John, John, John Elway is. You may have mentioned uh, it. John Elway is as he's good like, at GMing. They can cover the they can cover in the slot. They can cover outside, right? He's uh, as good John, at GMing as he is at winning Super Bowls in the eighties. Um. All right, uh, the, I, I picked on the linebackers a little bit. The corners were great. Shaq and Trey, both awesome in this game. They get tough assignments. You know, it's these are good wide receivers they're going against. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham. Um, and they both stood up, I think, really fantastically. Um, Trey was targeted six times, only gave up two receptions, and got, of course, the great pick. Um, Tedrick got a pick. Um, Tedrick, we talked about last week how he might be kind of getting into ball hawking mode. And uh, I really think that's 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 a thing that's happening. He's really starting to to play, reacting more. He is a half step too slow to a lot of plays still. He is. But I just he's getting in the right 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 mode. I think. I think he's turning the corner. He is a taller, younger, less impetuous Brent Grimes. 
Uh, and then <laughs> and taller uh, because could, no, look at Brent Grimes. Brent Grimes was slow on a lot of things. He could chase down guys, but he would always get those picks or the near picks because he would be a little slow. Actually, and by the way, I would take I would take Quentin Dunbar from Washington. Okay. I think that would be an upgraded slot okay. corner. Shaquille, I'm an upgrade over Jamar Taylor, dude. Calm down. Okay, uh, Shaquille got longer arms. Shaquille Griffin, and I'm tall too. Uh, I'm rangy. You Continue are, you this are awesome year. The five second forty, the five ish second forty might be a <laughs> might be a drag. That's a, that's um, a deal breaker for him. It's a deal breaker, probably. Okay, um, the let's go Shaquille Griffin. Okay, Shaquille Griffin. This is the, my number one star of the defense in this game. It's him and Clowney, but I it's, think it's everyone's I number think, one star. I think Shaquille Shaq Griffin put together a game. He had three pass breakups on five times targeted. Uh huh. That's a that's a performance. And one of them was a tip to. Uh, Tetrick for that interception. Yeah, Shaq's good. Shaq's good. Um, he keeps his head in the game. Uh, he draws tough assignments in this game. He was covering guys that are very talented. Like I said, this team runs deep with good. Sorry, I had the hiccups. Good, good uh, wide receivers, and he was able to stand up to all of them. Yep. Uh, Eric, are you are you now Shaq super fan number one? I feel like you are. No, it's, I'm not super fan number one. I like this guy a lot. I am. I was. Uh, oh, I was a little. I'm in. That's fine. Go ahead. He took Tim. your spot, Eric. You had you had. Uh, hey man, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dibs. be that I've been guy. Driving that, this bus since UCF. Deal I'm not it. gonna be that guy that sits here and says, "Oh yeah, I love him." After giving him so much crap last year, this is the this is the season we needed from him. I want this. And I read something like, you know, uh, my brother's here last year. It was. He said something like he didn't say it was distracting, but in other words, he said, "Yeah, it was very distracting." Like he was just so glad his brother was around. Um, he was kind of worried that he was always on the bubble. Now it's normal. It's old hat for him. Maybe he can relax a little. Whatever it is, I'm so glad that he's our number one corner. I will take it all day. Okay. Um, last thing before we move on. Uh, I said before the game started that the reason I was so confident the Seahawks were going to win is because we had Russell Wilson, and they had a quarterback who makes a lot of mistakes. And I feel like that really panned out. That was like their quarterback kind of – he made too many mistakes. If Baker plays a tighter game in this game – uh, they win. They beat us close at home. They kind of escape with the victory uh, while we're kind of pushing them. But they he made a bunch of mistakes. He, he shot this team in the foot a bunch of times. His passes are off. He's too far ahead. He's a little behind. He rushes things. Uh, he is a young quarterback, but I also think his mental acumen is a little off. I want to key in on something that you just said. A lot of people go, well, you know, there were a lot of tip passes on those interceptions. That's true, but they were tip passes because the pass was in a poor location. Um, the interception for KJ, that was a catchable ball, but it was behind the receiver, and they had to make a good play on it to catch it, and they tipped it up, and it was picked. And that's what a lot of those plays ended up looking like, were just a misplacement of the ball leading to the interception, except when he threw it basically directly at... Uh, uh, Trey Flowers, because his receivers hit each other. That that also happened. That was not uh -huh. good. That looked like he looked like he tried to throw it to Trey Flowers. Like it was uh, whatever. Uh, his, his wide receivers smacked into each other, and he was throwing to a spot, not to a route. Let's go to Baltimore. You ready? Yep. Do it. All right. Um, the Seahawks, thus far this season. So the Baltimore Ravens um, are were riding high after the first week. They put up a fifty. Six point perform. Fifty six, right? Fifty six, Eric. Yeah, we we said uh, fifty two. Lots of points 56? against a 50, terrible team. Fifty burger. They put we up said a fifty burger on this podcast. We said this is the max you're going to see from the Ravens, but they do look very good. Put we up were a half, half right. hundy. So yeah, they don't. They've not looked as good since then. 
since that <laughs> understatement of the year. Since that game, okay, the Ravens have barely slipped by the Bengals at home, very Seahawks-esque performance, barely slipped by the Cardinals at home, lost at Chiefs, which is now, we know, a very winnable game, uh, gotten d- cracked by the Browns, and barely beaten the Steelers with their third-string quarterback. That was the game where Mason Rudolph uh, got, like, murdered on the field and they yep. made him walk off the field while he was the dead. cart broke down yeah because the cart broke down he was yeah. and because oh no no that's what the nfl said the nfl said he wanted to get off the field kevin he was in the mental state to decide that i'm sure he was he was like <laughs> he uh, consulted his four other personalities he had at the moment i'm okay and oh the majority gosh. of them voted to walk off the I'm, field. I'm okay kevin sugar Drug. water <laughs> Like he just, he's just, uh, just not, not doing so good. And the um, one of the big weak links on this team, um, their pressure, their pressure stats have been consistently fine, but their coverage, they were great in coverage against Miami, but it turned out it was because Miami, or sorry, they were good in coverage against Miami, but it turns out that was because Miami can't throw, and then they were great in coverage against Pittsburgh's backup quarterback that throws ducks. Okay. And so they have been trash against Cincy, trash against Arizona, trash against Cleveland, and super trash against Kansas City. Okay, let's be honest. This team has a very good offensive line, a talented but erratic young quarterback. A lot of weapons in the A backfield. lot of weapons all over the field. Mark Andrews is a very good tight end. Hollywood Brown is a good wide receiver. They have guys that you can throw to that are perfectly reasonable and sometimes they do throw um and they do throw they're not people act like these guys <laughs> never throw and uh that's that's not that's not true that's hyperbole um they've thrown a, they've caught 133 catches Mar so Jackson far this cannot year. escape the hot takes um but they have good tight ends this team comes out with two tight ends quite a bit so that's something to watch for they have three tight ends that they trust mark andrews who is the best one hayden hurst who is a first round pick and is also very good and nick boyle Who's also really good? They have three really good tight ends. By the way, Hayden Hurst is the wide receiver, is the tight is end. I would now, be most likely to trade for it because I think he might be able to be on the cheap. Now, yeah, Hayden Hurst. They tried to put him in the Jalen Ramsey deal, and because uh, he was a first round pick, Nick Boyle. Look at the picture, Kevin. Does he look like the Lurch guy from Hot Fuzz? Uh, I was gonna go with Gomer Pyle from <laughs> no. uh, Full Metal Jacket. He is the Lurch guy from Hot Fuzz, dude. Uh, Yarp. Okay. Uh, Yarp. The um, then wide receivers. They got Brown. They got Snead. They got Boykin. There's Seth Roberts. It's a young wide receiver room. That I think is decent but not great, which is why they come out with two tight ends so much, <laughs> is that yeah. they don't want to put a bunch of these dudes out there at once because they're just not that good. Um, In- Mark Ingram's had a really good season, but it's kind of a low usage rate. It's an efficiency season, um, not like a. But Edwards has been very effective I in would, the run game. I would be uh, I'd be leery of them trying to run against us. So that's that's what their plan probably is. Their plan is probably to come out with two tight ends. Uh, they wanna they wanna run on us. Hey, good thing we run three linebackers all the time. Yeah, this is not gonna work that good against the Seahawks. <laughs> this is the team we've been waiting to play all year. That's right. We've been gearing up for. It's like a, when a college team plays against the triple option, and they're like, we've been practicing against triple option since the spring. Dude, we've been practicing against these two tight end sets all year, baby. Yeah. This is the game. Pete switches to nickel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the big thing, though, is we're going to have to put Bobby on spy or something because you have to know where Lamar Jackson is at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have played a, the... Yeah, and I, I just think that the Seahawks, this is a this is a team... It's an interesting matchup. You, you have to play this team differently than you play any other team all year because their offense is so different than most of the other offense you'll see this year. Uh, before the season started, Harbaugh claimed he was going to revolutionize the NFL 
with his offense this year. I don't think that's what happened, but it is different than most of the other offenses. He we see. backed it up in um, week one. It's not a lot of teams we see like oh they come out in eleven personnel in every set. You know, like that's what the Rams did, and that was kind of the the wave. And then now this guy comes out, Harbaugh comes out in twenty one personnel in almost every play. And he, they play a lot in the pistol, which yep. is which is really unique. Um, not a lot of teams do do stuff like that. I so. think we could benefit from using a little more pistol, quite frankly, but that's yeah. another story. All right. Let's go to their defense. Uh, well, real quickly, okay. uh, the other thing is the bulk of Baltimore's run yardage is over the left end and on the right tackle. Not much of their running is up the gut. So I would see um, – so the thing that's cool about that for us is Ziggy Ansa, Quentin Jefferson, and Jadavion Clowney are all really good in run coverage. So we're a hard team to run on the edge because we don't have these lighter uh, pass rushing defensive ends. We don't have a Dante Fowler. We are pretty stout all the way across the line. So that's going to be interesting to see if they're able to get to the edge against us because I think runs attempting to get to the edge when our safeties are in proper position are some of the worst runs to try against us. Okay, you ready for this? Their defense is trash. Okay, if you think our defense is playing bad, this defense is playing worse. They're, they have, um, like, no guys you need to care about for pass rushing. I think Matthew Judon's okay. Pernell McPhee is, like, decent, but not really. They have a they have a linebacker, Patrick Onwasser, who has allowed 22 receptions on 23 targets this year for a 118.7 rating. Um, he is a guy you can 100% pick on every time he is on the field and it is a lot he's played 284 snaps this year he's out there a lot and people pick on him look for all, carson and luke wilson receptions all of their cornerbacks suck okay i'm just gonna say it everett kennedy Carr. these guys are not good at football humphrey's fine um sure marlon Humph marlon humphrey is fine but like they have so many guys you can exploit in their secondary and i want to make a secondary statement on this though i feel like at this point I'm not. I don't care who your corner is. I trust Russ to throw against anybody. And they, so if you're going to be bad at coverage, then I trust Russ to murder you. And then another thing is, is they they might have Earl Thomas and Tony Jefferson, which is a great safety pairing. But there's a chance Tony Jefferson is just kind of past it because I you know he's only 28 years old. But so far this season, he has been targeted 12 times and given up. Seven passes, uh, 130.6 rating on passes targeting Tony Jefferson. They're just they're weak up the mid up the middle except for Earl, and they're weak at cornerback except for Humphrey. They had their secondary is just not good. If we come out throwing, we can set use the throw to set up the run. All of a sudden Carson's got room. He's just got to break one tackle. It's just trouble. We're gonna score points. The real question is, can we get enough stops to make it hard for hard enough for Baltimore to win? I think that's the I think that's the question you have to ask this game. Also, their kicker's better than ours. Um, their kicker's the best. They have the best kicker. Justin Tucker there rolls. There it is. Uh, and their punter is also really good. Yep. They, they, ha they will have a decided special teams advantage. Harbaugh, former special teams coach. Yeah, Harbaugh knows his special teams. Uh, unlike our special teams coach, Schottenheimer, who – or not Schottenheimer. Nope. Schneider. Schneider. Brian Schneider. Schneider and assistance from Izzo, right? Brian Schneider is awful. Dude, that opening kickoff return, I almost like – I threw up. <laughs> but then he did that double stack pass rush that he saw. That's, that's a called play. That punt block – that was a mm -hmm. called play. So you know what? He made up made up for it right there. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this guy's not so bad, but I'm back to bashing him. <laughs> um, but their punter and kicker are really good. So that's something to watch out for is like if this becomes a gritty battle where special field position and field goals really matter, they are going to have a slight advantage there. Though I feel like Myers at home, I mean, he's been mostly a good kicker. 
So what I'm he, not what ready like to write four him for, off. Four for six this year so far, or sure. is he five for seven? I think four for six. Yeah, he can't I, kick if he's really close. <laughs> what? This is not a joke. He's having an issue there. We, take a delay we, of game hey, we made that. We made that one with the twenty yarder where we kicked. If yeah, you kicked a twenty yard field goal, and then I, they marched him out there for like the sixty three yarder. If I never had to see a twenty or less yard field goal for the rest of my <laughs> life, I would be so happy. That is. Our uh, surrender index is so high. It's just like, dude, don't kick a field goal here. That's just okay, whatever. It doesn't matter. But looking at DVOA, Baltimore's third in special teams, fourth in offense, and twenty second in defense. Seattle sitting pretty at third in offense, eighteenth. And by the way, there were third and they're fourth, but we're way ahead of them. They're thirteen point three percent, and we're at twenty one point six. And they're residing on that first game. You're uh, and like I said, that said. first game is carrying them. That that they're once that Miami game starts to wash out of DVOA, they'll. Drop down a couple spots. Must be nice to have. We have a Miami better ranked defense and our our twenty eighth ranked special teams, and that's a big part of that's giving up big plays, right? And we have some making up to do on special teams, but we have the guys to do it. And I'll Dixon say, is good. I tweeted it during the game. I'll say it again: if you can only put together a decent coverage unit when you have Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, and Richard Sherman out there on it, then you're bad at putting together coverage units. Yep. I mean, you 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 have to have three Hall of Famers, dude. You just got to have three Hall of Famers. That's on it. your special teams units. Yeah. Other, yeah. I mean, how else are you supposed to put one together? All right. Um, let's get to predictions, Eric. So, <laughs> I thought Eric. you were going to give me a little better of a lead in. Okay, than just Eric. Uh, but uh, Eric, here I am Eric. King, Eric Qui Gon Jinn Ronnebeck, King of the <laughs> what do you Eric, <laughs> Eric King of the Seahawks Nest, Lord of the Oh Lord of the North. I appreciate that. Hey, remember that scene in Phantom Menace where uh, the Aberdeen alimony? Where Liam, you can stop right there. Where Liam Neeson's just uh, I don't sat down that. and meditated. <laughs> uh, remember that scene in the Phantom Menace? Does it involve pod racing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is no. Uh, how many how many tips to the lightsaber were there? Because that's oh wait, the other scene I do remember one part. Doesn't 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 that guy get cut in half? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Darth Maul. Yeah. Darth Maul gets cut in half. Best scene right there. I see us kind of oh, running money. running all linebackers at different spy positions. I think Pete's got something special planned for uh, Lamar Jackson. I'm going to go ahead. I haven't been right about anything. I've kind of been off this whole time, so let's stick with it. I do like the scoring from the Seahawks. I want 35, 20. Man, I feel like we're doing an 11-point win or something close where it's more than a touchdown. 35, 26, Seahawks. Okay. Earl makes excuses. All right. I think that your 35 is a pretty reasonable number to throw out there. But what you have to remember about this team, based on the runs that we're going to get on both sides, this is going to be a limited number of snaps game. So the scoring likely can't get super high just because there won't be that many possessions. So I'm going to go with Seahawks 27. We'll go 27 to 17. All right, I'm going to go 31 21. Uh, so uh, that's it. Uh, now let's get to the money zone. If you would like to support the Seahawks Nest, there are many ways to do so. But the absolute. Yeah, Charlie. The absolute best way, Charlie, is to go to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as $1.24 a month, you can support the Seahawks Nest. Uh, we have many great patrons, and I'm going to read their names. Uh, right here uh, benefit uh, this is I they changed this website and it's like so hard much harder for me to find the 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 page that I want okay here we go you are you already I did it now yeah we're good All right, James <laughs> Chuck Attila, Tom James Tom Lucas Carrie Richard welcome back Bob Kieran Brett Mike David Flockton Keith Michelle Brian 
uh, Frank and Nick and everyone else. There's a bunch of other people down here. Mark, Gavin, Matt, Michael, Josh. I'm just going to read like almost all of them. Eggers, Double Lars, Matthew. I'm just going to keep going, dude. You can't stop me. Joshua, Arthur, Scott, William, Russell. And I can turn Kevin, off your mic. Kevin Garber. <laughs> That's you. That's me. I'm, I'm, I'm a patron. Cody Ray, Kimberly, Scott. All right. These are the people that support the podcast. Thank you so much. You guys are uh, you guys are helping us out and uh, making our lives a little bit easier. And also joining in the group chat, which makes my life a little bit more fun. All right. Uh, also, if you head over to iTunes, uh, you can head over to Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you find your podcasts. And if you find us, uh, give us five stars. Give us a good rating. It really makes me happy. Warms the deep recesses of my dark heart. Um, we're at 90 five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. That is really sweet. 10 away from 100. 330 away from the ultimate goal. That's so awesome. Eric knows. Eric knows. I got it. All right. Okay. The um, this movie club this week. Okay. I, I'm going a little, a little off-grid here. And I, I came up with an idea. We're heading towards the end of a century, 2010 to 2019. Decade. Decade. <laughs> whoa. You're rushing. I'm rushing. I'm 80 years ahead. Damn. Looking at my list and I'm like, whoa. Wait, I mean, really? there's there's a 100% chance that uh, uh, we're just not going to exist. So yeah, let's not get too um, far out there. So the uh, the thing is, is that we're, we headed, we're heading towards, right? We're heading towards a uh, end of a decade. Did I get it right that time? There. I had to really think about it. Whoa, I had to stop nice. myself. Nice. Got there. Okay, and we are going to do a bunch of top five lists. We're going to hash out a bunch of top fives. And I think, like, what will be fun about this is the discussion. You know, we're going to have a discussion about our top five from the 2010 to 2019. Um, I know 2019 isn't quite over yet, and there are some things that could make this list, and we will mention those. Uh, and we might even, in future episodes, if we all see the movie, kind of slide them, slide them in as an addendum. addendum. Uh, but... Uh, Right now, we are going to talk about our top five science fiction movies from 2010 to 2019. What I want to do is just kind of go around. We'll I'll nominate some movies. We'll I'll talk about some movies. Kind of pit, sales pitch it a little bit, right? Tell me why you like that movie so much. And then we'll kind of start to narrow down our list. Eric? Want me to lead age, off? Age Before Beauty, buddy. Let's go. You want all five or you just want one? Nah, just give us, give us one at a time. We'll, we'll all take turns. Go okay. ahead. Uh, I'm going to go with the, the softballs. Okay, these are the ones that are in the top five. These are movies that most people have seen. These are movies I really like. Uh, there's a couple surprises in here. So you think movie? These are movies that you think deserve to be in the top five, and then but they're remember, also we're co-making the list. So this yeah, is, these are these, there's some real easy ones in here. Okay, go okay. ahead. Hit uh, initial lob. Keeping keeping my friends from uh, you know skewering me as I talk. Let's begin with Arrival. Very uh, very good movie. Necessary. Uh, Probably the best alien movie I've ever seen outside of Independence Day when I was 18 and stupid. Um, an alien. Uh, I mean, Alien's great, uh, but as far as an alien coming down to Earth movie. You mean first, well, like, arrival? First, first contact. contact. Yeah. Sneak, sneak preview for people who are going to listen all the way to the end. When people ask me what I think the best movie ever is, not my favorite movie, whenever people ask me what I think the best movie ever is, I almost always say Arrival. Oh, okay. so it's going to be very hard to get me off of that one. Good start, Eric. Yes, and uh, that is a five out of five for me as well. That so. movie asks um, that movie asks like the most interesting question to me, which is like, if you knew everything that was going to happen in your life, would you still just live out your life exactly the same? And like that's to me that is like such an interesting question. But it also poses it in a really interesting way. right, and it frames that question in such like a and the way you don't figure that out until the end. 
unless you read the book like I did. <laughs> but 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 if you don't figure that out, by the way, stories of our life and others, uh, stories of, story of your life and others, the the short story anthology that that book is from is sweet, and the author just wrote a new one that is also really sweet. That question that they asked, by the way, answers might surprise you. Uh, another <clears throat> surefire favorite here, Looper. Excellent portrayal of uh, Bruce Willis done by uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Of course, Bruce Willis is in this movie. Kevin, you're typing these in, right? I'm, I noticed you're typing. You're, you're, uh, you're, yeah, our record, you're our record keeper for this? We're good. Yeah, I like Looper quite a bit. It deals with time travel, which is not always easy and oftentimes confusing. Uh, at the beginning of this movie, you're like, wait a second. Oh, they did that? Oh, that makes perfect sense. Watch Looper. It's really good. Uh, one of my personal favorites, uh, he might just be my favorite director, I'll be honest with you, and that is uh, Inception. All right, so for Nolan, uh, that's a, there's so a question Nolan, here. There's big, a question I got to ask you. Yeah. Inception, Interstellar. Okay, they're both really good movies. Do you think we need to include them both, or do you think that we should just include one and pick the one we like better? What, what do you think the, the story is? It, they're both really good science fiction this movies. This is why we're simpatico on this podcast, because sometimes we, we set things up. This time we did not talk about this at all. I already thought about this, Nathan. Okay. I think I'm only going to include the one I really, really like a lot more. I like Interstellar a lot. But I'm just gonna say I don't like certain moments of that movie. I feel like it almost kind of drags. I like Interstellar more as a science okay. fiction movie, and that was why mm. that was the one that was on my okay. list. Oh, and I, Interstellar. Interstellar was is not. a space and movie. Was not. And, and I think science and fiction space means is space. Awesome. Yeah, no, but I, it's... I think they're both science fiction movies. Let me start with I that. I agree with that. Um, and I think I like Inception slightly more. I'm not going to um, argue against that. I will say part of this might be a recency bias. I have not seen Inception since Brett's Epic Watch. And uh, I'm really drunk right now, guys, and I just woke up, but uh, oh, this movie's really good. That's, 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 that's a uniquely good watch of that movie, um, and I just didn't want to taint it after that. Poor analysis, but he's right. Recently, and it was very good. Interstellar's really good. Uh, it's a little too long for me. Uh, but It gets me in the feels, though. And it gets in the feels. Inception gets me. Here's the thing about Inception. Inception asks a really great question too. It does. Which is that reality is reality the the thing that is real, or is it what you believe to be real? Because at the end of the movie, you don't know if he's in reality or not, but he has decided that he is going to accept where he is now as his reality. And is that all that matters, really? Like that is such yep. a great question. What is and reality? Like, I, you know what the end of that movie oh, kind of reminded me of? That in great science fiction, ask questions. Let it me say that. It reminds me yeah. of the end of the original Blade Runner before they decided to make it concrete. All right, let's do this. Speaking of Blade Runner, BR I think we need to talk about Blade Runner twenty forty nine. And here's the thing: the like I said, great science fiction, ask questions. This question, this one movie asks about AI, shared memories, and like reality is also a really interesting question and what it, makes life and it, what makes humanity it might it might be the best filmed movie out of all of these movies it's so pretty it looks really good I a think a lot of these look really good though. interstellar is beautiful inceptions beautiful and they're both really good Arrival and i mean i saw very pretty. did you see interstellar and imax no you didn't right i didn't need to okay so what we need to do kevin is next year cinema cinema does a um 70 millimeter film festival and interstellar is always there yeah we gotta go see it because i'm telling you i saw it in imax that movie is <laughs> i'd worry about getting vertigo in certain of those no, scenes dude, in 70 cool, millimeter dude. that's it's awesome so cool it's yeah. like it's so good i saw alien cleaned up for the 40th anniversary that was gorgeous mm -hmm. yeah so interstellar is like a like a otherworldly experience uh in in that kind of format um okay right, i'm three in here okay. this is uh one i'm gonna say right now that i don't think is gonna be on anyone's list but i love this movie for the heart and i feel like it has kind of paved the way for a lot of things that are popular right now uh currently in 
like the uh, the nerd zeitgeist. Super Eight. Super Eight. I like Super, Super eight. eight. Has a lot of heart. If you have lost someone when you were younger, mainly a parent like I did, this movie is daggers, and the, I love it. The uh, the family aspect is like really, it's really sweet. It's really heartfelt. Um, I really good child acting. I find it quite yes. good child acting, which bad child acting just kills a movie. Yep. Um, all right, Eric, you said did one more that you wanted to make sure you got out here. And then yeah, and we... other ones we can throw out later. But I'm gonna nominate a movie. I don't know if anyone saw Under the Skin. I have not seen it. Good pick. Okay, Eric, you seen it, Kevin? Uh, I saw it once, quite, uh, but not that long after release. So you haven't seen it? Do you know the uh, 2011, 2012? Yeah. yeah, it's a movie with Scarlett Johansson. Okay, uh, she plays an alien who basically lures people. Uh, it's kind of like the same plot as Species, but just like a way better. A movie. little bit, but it yeah, so she I don't want to make that comparison. She basically lures them to uh, to take their skin. And make it her own, uh, not not taking on their look, but basically rejuvenating her own look, so a she jo- can a continue to suit. feed. No, it's not a gender suit. It's a it's an egger suit. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a really unique movie. It asks some really pointed questions. There's some really good acting. Mainly, there's a guy with a facial deformity, a body deformity, naturally, and he plays. Uh, he acts in this movie uh, with a with a very naked Scarlett Johansson. That's uh, a really touching scene in the movie. Uh, I really don't want to give anything away, but this is—it's gonna. This movie will blow your mind in so many ways. It's really—it came out of nowhere for me. That's so, an interesting pick. I respect. Those that are pick. five. I could have. I could have mentioned others that I think everyone will have, but I really had to put that out. Okay, there. I want to give a couple. Dude, I got a list of like twenty. So I got. I want to give a couple. I, I want to give a couple shout outs to movies that I don't think have any chance of making our top list, but I think are really good. Okay, you ready? Yep. All the Planet of the Apes movies, the new ones. Okay, uh, I, but the ones that came out after 2010, I don't know if I think that's right up that. there, Nathan. I agree. Uh, but War for the Planet of the Apes is really good. Battle um, for the Rise Planet of the Planet of the, of the Apes. Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Those are all. Those all came out in the last ten years. Those three movies, and they're Planet all. The they're all really good. What? Wait, what? what? No, we were making jokes about Planet of the Apes movies because <laughs> when they had like 36 of them in the 70s, you're like slightly to the left of the Planet of the Apes. 36 movies of the Planet okay. of the Apes. I really, I really dig Tron Legacy. Yes, I, this is like a personal good pick. soundtrack, if, beautiful look. If, that movie's a little bit of a hot mess, but it's enjoyable. If, if I was making this list just for me, I probably would sneak it in the fifth spot just to mess with people. No, okay, just mess with people. Okay, uh, I as like that. as like a movie that I really like. <laughs> this that, is on. This is on. Like, like do I put this on here? Same with Oblivion, that Tom Cruise movie. A lot of people hate on that movie. I think that movie is super solid. And okay, like, would you very enjoyable? What, uh, real Turbo quick. Kid, another like really interesting. You did see cool Turbo take. Kid, because yeah. I like. Six months ago, Nathan was like, Turbo Kid, <laughs> it's dumb. Like, watch it. You'll love it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, wait, Tur- real Turbo Kid's back a to, really fun, interesting going movie back to Oblivion. shouldn't be on this list. Would, okay. you, would, would you like about Oblivion so much to include it in the possible? No, I'm not. I'm, this is like honorable mentions. Yeah. I, I, just, don't, I don't think it, I think it's got to be outside of like our, our core Live core action Wally. Here. Like, that's what that's your review of Oblivion. Yeah, live action Wally. Um, I just like it because it, it has a neat reveal in it. Like has a, a little like a cute guy leading the way. Uh, I really like Morgan Freeman. That's a weird way to talk about Tom um, Cruise. And the, the visual, the visuals and the sound are really good in this movie. Uh, like the music and the visuals. M eighty three, like a like an indie rock band, made all the music in this, and I think it's really good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I dig it. I also like Solo a lot, and I don't care who who knows it. <laughs> uh, I'm just. I, I think the more I watch Solo, the more I'm like, this is a solid movie. People just like really had too many expectations of what this movie should be, and not just like just enjoy the film for what it is. Agreed. Stop being so. Take the stick out of your butt. I got a question for the for the room. Okay. 
Uh, Pacific Rim, Upgrade, and Hardcore Henry. Are those all honorable mentions, or are those list those, contenders? Those are honorable mentions for me. I don't. I don't think I can. I don't think I can justify any of them being on the list. But man, I like all three of those movies. I have not seen Upgrade. The way you guys talk about it, I'm surprised it's not on one it of your best, lists. It was the best Venom movie of that year. It's I, I'll say the other two movies though. Orders. Yeah, definitely honorable mentions. And the other, the other part of it is that like these are just these are really really fun movies like Harker Henry is one of the funnest movies I've ever seen and don't at me Chappie is not that bad it's fine <laughs> it's like it's an aggressive movie alright I'm ready to go to my real contenders you ready alright let's do it um, for underground uh, sci-fi that I think talks in a really interesting way Attack the Block this movie is like like probably the best independent science fiction film that has come out in the last 10 years uh, I think I like it better than Ex Machina, which is a movie I'm going to talk about. And just, uh, Kevin, I'm, sure, I'm going to let Kevin talk about because I'm sure that he has it on his list. But uh, I think that Attack the Blocks a really cool, fun movie that kind of talks about like the way people relate to each other and how people can come together in like really dire, crazy situations that have nothing in common, right? Like can bring totally different people together. And I think that's really cool. It's like ludicrous 28 days later. I also just want Joe Cornish to do more stuff. That movie is really good. The, the treatment that him and Edgar Wright wrote for Ant-Man is what makes that first Ant-Man movie so funny. And, uh, like, you can see their fingerprints all over it. And I just want him to do more stuff. So, like, Joe Cornish, please get out there and, and start doing stuff. Um, okay, uh, another serious one, Dread. I'm dead serious about this movie. I talk about it. We've talked about it on this podcast it's before. Good. It's just a really good movie. It has the dread message, you know, about fascism and classism, and it's just it's super solid. Um, about there's like an air of like desperation in this movie, where like the people are so desperate for anything that they'll do whatever the mama character says, right? The the uh, Cersei Lannister, yep. um, <laughs> Snowpiercer. Uh, Bong Joon Ho is like one of the most talented directors going. Um, Snowpiercer is really cool. The the idea of all these people living on a train and the the way the train as you go forward in it goes up more and more upper crust, right? Because there's uh, always gonna be classism. And then it's kind of makes a statement, right? Like no matter what happens, even in this dire situation where there's like 200 people left on the world, in the world, there's still gonna be classism. There's still gonna be people over here eating nice food while you eat your shrimp your shrimp log you know or what <laughs> that, what was that what was the, that was that what they ate right a, krill, a log of a log of shrimp or something or yeah. A, uh, yeah it was something like that wait is this did this guy also direct train to busan uh bong joon ho yeah um i just had to make the train joke if he did don't worry uh, about it he direct no he did okja and Par- uh, parasite just came out uh the host okay that's um, it no okay. worries Okja is, I don't know if it's science fiction, and I, I wouldn't, uh, I didn't like it. My favorite movie of his is Memories of Murder. I, I didn't like it enough to, to go after it in this category. Um, uh, he did Memories of Murder in 2003, and that was the movie that he did that I really, really loved. Okay. Um, and then Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat. Oh, that was really? on my list as well. This, wow. So this movie's just really, Kevin, you go. You go on this. I, I don't, I ta- don't want to take too many of the answers, so you, uh, go, you go and then well, I'll no, take. Well, no, no, I've got a whole list of five outside of that, so okay. by all means. So Edge of Tomorrow, I, I just... I don't know. Doug Liman's a really good director, and I think this is maybe his his best his best movie. Um, and it's just it's super solid. Another the Tom, journey that Tom, Tom Cruise's Cruise. character makes in this movie from completely unlikable dickhole to completely like um, relatable, like empathetic figure is impressive. Because at the beginning of the movie, you think he just sucks as a person, uh-huh. and then by the Clueless. end of the movie, you feel so bad for him. Right, like he just has to keep brutally dying over and over and over and over again. Um, the Martian, 
or as I like to call it, the Sarcastronaut. Um, but that movie's funny. It has a really cool, uh, like, I think, like, just tone of voice and a really grounded look at space travel that I think um, really plays. Uh, and then the uh, MacGyvering in that movie is great. My last one. Here we go. I don't know if this is sci-fi. We might have an argument right here. Mad Max Fury Road. Um, Good choice, also on Nathan. My list. Mad Good Max choice. Fury Road is an excellent movie. Should have won Best Picture the year that it came out, uh, and because it it kind of rose above the genre conventions in a way where Mad Max is a good movie, but it's, you know, a it's a genre film. And this movie kind of took genre films to another level, a level that maybe they weren't capable of uh, before that. Um, Arrival did the same thing, which is what, another thing I like about it. But this is just a really good movie, a really solid action movie. It's thinky. It's asking a question, you know, about survival and human nature and like the scene where the lady's like yelling and screaming for help and and max just looks at him and he just points up that's bait that's bait that's bait i'm not (laughs) going for that and it's like you know he just there's like a real question there like you have to kill a part of yourself uh the empathy part of yourself a little bit in a situation like that because if you don't you're gonna get taken advantage of and it's like that's a crazy question right like what do i would you be willing to kill that like empathetic that human to human connection part of yourself in a situation like that to make sure that you can survive like i don't know if i could i'm not i'm not a i'm not a psychopath but max is definitely a psychopath a little bit yeah and uh well and then when they switch to kind of the perspective of the shiny and chrome dude um the uh the gearhead that they keep flipping back to who eventually ends up as a part of their group and you get some of his perspective on the situation and it just kind of makes the world a little more immersive the the whole thing's constructed so well that you don't notice how ridiculous in the moment a monster truck designed entirely to amplify one guitar player truly is. The stupidest because thing. Because within the context of the movie, you're like, you know works. what? Totally friggin' works. That's because but it's a... It's so dumb. It's it's still a Mad Max movie. It still is a sci-fi movie. It's still beautifully shot, and it still has a message. It's, like you said, Nathan, it's got everything. And great performances without a whole lot of dialogue from people. Okay, so Kevin, uh, just to throw down what, on mine, what, the ones I have missed? left over, um, Guardians of the Galaxy to me is an honorable mention. Okay. Uh, very enjoyable movie, but I it, just don't think I can put it on this level. And I think like that and Endgame are the only uh, move, superhero movies you could consider sci-fi. And for me, they're both they're both in the Ant-Man. honorable mention. Ant Man is it's very technologically based. If it the, was not a superhero movie, you would call it a sci-fi movie. Yeah, you're right. It's on the edge for me, but yeah, you're probably right. Uh, but uh, Guardians and, and Endgame are definitely sci-fi. Movies. There's so much stuff happens in yes. space. <laughs> is <just> Troll like, <laughs> Hunter a sci-fi movie? Yes, mm, I would say horror. I would Ugh. say it's leaning into more like the fantasy horror genre because the technology is not such and, a key piece. And it will definitely be come up during our we'll horror We'll keep that in the so top I, five mockumentaries. I strongly consider Troll Hunter for this list, but I just feel like it's not the right fit. So I'm going to go Ex Machina because, once again, good sci-fi asks interesting questions. And this is another one that asks that question about kind of where humanity begins and what determines what is and is not sentient and human. What did you like better, Ex Machina or Annihilation? Uh, Ex Machina. I okay. did not care for Annihilation. Ex Machina for me too. Ex Machina is a little slow for me. I don't know. I like the movie. It's solid. But... I felt like the suspense of Ex Machina allowed me to deal with how slow it was. I really okay. like... It, the, there's a mystery that's building for sure that they're like... Like a drama, like a dramatic it's mystery kind there, of. Element. You know, you're building towards a dramatic. I like figuring out that mystery too. Annihilation, mm-hmm. that mystery 
once I got there, I didn't care. And it was kind of like, yeah, it's kind of what I figured. That's kind of what I ran into was uh, I felt like they lingered on the wrong scenes. And at a certain point, I was like, well, I stopped caring about that a while ago. So uh, Ex Machina is not likely to make my top five, but I feel like it should be referenced. Okay. Uh, Coherence is a really friggin' clever movie where a completely normal situation turns completely sideways. It was uh, basically a bunch of people shooting with their friends. Um, pretty low budget. Has some really solid actors in there. And this is a movie where a normal like friend's night in turns into a... What would you say? An existential crisis? Yes. Um, it's about... People slowly figuring out that realities are crossing over, mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter that the justification for it is thin as hell because the execution is so interesting because it takes people and basically takes regular people and puts them in this extreme situation, and the way that they have them react to it is very believable. And the, and the thing is, is that like... The, the the two Emily's thing where they're like she yes. she 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 has the she's like oh I'm happier in this one you know and it's like it's like that is a it's a really cool um, I don't know it's a it's a you're right coherent super solid movie there's some I, interesting morality things that it begs a question on I'm not sure it's gonna be quite top five but it's definitely something people should watch if they haven't seen it yet and then last and one I want to mention it's it is uh, it's a really easy watch it's and it it watch it feels almost like a, an extended TV show um, and then your name. The uh, Kevin going with the anime. What yeah. a weeb. I'm going with the uh, Japanese movie here. Uh, uh, animated movie, uh, foreign film release. Your name is, I think, definitely a sci-fi movie. Um, it has a time travel element uh, or dimensional element to it that I think makes it sci-fi. Um, this is one where if you can't handle subtitles or you can't handle certain anime type behavior to a movie then you're not gonna like it but if you can then there's a lot to like about this movie um i feel like the characters are interesting the situations are extreme and the way that they handle them are interesting um and it also again kind of begs a question if you're put in a situation where you might be able to help somebody or you're put in a situation where you might be able to uh, fix something, how far would you go to make that happen? Like, how extreme would you go in order to protect somebody else? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then, movies that, from the rest of the year, that might make the list, it's just Star Wars 9. I, I think that the Terminator movie's gonna be bad, and uh, I don't think there's any other movies that have a chance. So there you go. Star For sci-fi? Yeah, yes. I would tend to agree. Star Wars 9 is like the only... Unless Parasite somehow manages to be sci-fi, but I don't think it will. Nope, it's not. Uh... <laughs> okay. All right, so uh, looking at the list, we have Arrival, Interstellar, Blade Runner 2049. Let's go like this, okay? I think let's approach this a different way. Okay. okay? Instead of going like that, let's all put a movie... Let's all... What's what's our... Let's like try to get a movies in, in the pot that we think are like only definitely to make it. Do we all agree Arrival's in the top five? Yes. Okay, yes. that's a spot filled, so just put Arrival, Okay. What a what's an what's another movie Eric you think has to be in? Are you are you in with me in Inception? Yeah, we, I love I love that movie. I feel like it's that's my for me that's got to be in. So, no, but here's the thing, Kevin is not. So but I, I mean, feel like we but put I mean, that like, uh, but I, all I said was I like Interstellar more. That's a really high bar. So Incep let's put Inception in. I I'm think. willing in to the put top Inception, five. Uh, tentatively top five. Okay, 
Now here's where I think it starts to get dicey. I think everything is kind of up for grabs from this point I think point BR2049 forward. needs to be in there. Um, hmm. as, sci- hmm. as science fiction, I feel like it is representative of the best that's being offered in this decade. Also, that's a long-awaited sequel to one of the greatest sci-fi movies of all time. And I never saw it. I never saw it because I'm a terrible person. I wanted to see it in theater, and as I want to do, oh, I just didn't see it. So uh, that's on me. I'm saying maybe it should be on the list. I'm gonna I'm tentatively put it on there. If we end up with like six, then I then we can uh, do it. I think we all agree. Mad Max Fury Road. Yep. Yes. Okay. So that's that's four for the fifth movie. Uh, I think. I don't know how much like how much should we like get on a corner or should we just like take the take the layup? Everyone pick one movie that you think and I want your most legitimate choice. What's the movie you think not is the fifth best if like let's go time capsule style. You had to pick five movies you're gonna put in a time capsule in a hundred years, they have to open it up and this represents science fiction in the twenty tens. What is your fifth movie? I want you to think about that for a second. I got it already. Okay, right. Eric, what is it? Dread. I think for me it's Snowpiercer. And I would make I could see a very legitimate argument for Looper as well. Looper was close, but I Looper's left Dread off my list. You know how much I love really? it. Really? I like Looper. I, I like it, but okay, it's a it's a firm not just a loop. Let's just eliminate Looper. So Kevin, Snowpiercer which one do you like better? Snowpiercer or Dread? Dang, that's rough. Or do you have a third one you I want to bring the, in that's going to blow okay, our minds? Honestly, I would probably nominate your name at this point because it's or, completely different or type inter, of movie. Or Interstellar. Yeah. Um, if I'm picking from your two movies, I think I'm picking Snowpiercer, and here's I, why. I think Snowpiercer's take on the... It's a similar commentary, right, about classism and stuff. But I think Snowpiercer's take on it is a little more interesting than Dread. Dread's is pretty straightforward. Dread is great, but Dread is also one of the best action movies of... Mm-hmm. This, these Agreed. Years. So, so I'm. It might I'm willing to be later. like, yeah, okay. Eric's like, I'll come back. I would and get say it. Dread has a very strong chance at being in the action top five. Uh, um, I don't know, man. I got some contenders for that one. Uh, all right, Kevin. I think we're going Snowpiercer. So we have Arrival, Inception, Blade Runner, twenty forty nine, Mad Max, Fury Road, and Snowpiercer. Hot take. I think that is my order. <laughs> like, I think that order is perfect the way it is. Um, it includes. The only thing missing is like I think Interstellar probably should be in there somewhere, but I think saying we're gonna only put one Christopher Nolan movie in here is a fair thing to do. Legitimately, if you replace Inception with Interstellar, I think this would be my list as well. In order, just about. Okay, Eric, are you okay with the order? Can you? I'm okay with, that? with the order. Absolutely. Haven't seen Snowpiercer. I'll watch it this week. All I right. would like to put Inception below Mad Max Fury Road, so I'd probably go Arrival, Mad Max, uh, Inception, Blade Runner, Snowpiercer. Would you like that order better, Eric? No. No. I, I think I'm with I'll Eric on this. I'll take two out of three on this All right. one. Yeah. So, okay. So then I think that, that we're good. So our top five of sci-fi movies of the 2010s in order. Arrival number one. Uh, then Inception. number two, Inception. Number three, uh, Mad Max Fury no, Road. Blade oh, Runner Blade Runner 2049. Number four, Mad Max Fury Road. Number five, Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer, which is a, kind of an offbeat pick. So I'm glad we got an offbeat pick in there. All right. If you have a movie that you think we completely missed, we never talked about it, I would be surprised. I mean, I guess we didn't really talk about Force Awakens. or um, And like I said, we kind of talked about superhero movies before the podcast, and we think we're going to make them their whole own category. That's likely um, to be the case. The other thing is with Star Wars, I feel like none of these movies... like. 
Uh, I think every movie on this list is a five out of five for me. It might maybe a couple of them are four and a half out of five. Um, that was not the case for the new Star Wars movies. No, they're all fours. They're fours. They're really they're good, good. They're good. But they're not that. Um, I like the Last Jedi the best, so I, I would love to hear people tell me why I'm wrong about that. All right, for Eric Ronenbeck, <laughs> for Kevin Garber, we will see you next week. Go Hawks. Good times, bro. No, I ain't got nothing but a bag of green today.